hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com drink. That's rosettastone.com drink. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. Well, we have some good news and some bad news. We have some very good news and we have some very bad news. It's it's well, okay. We'll, well, well. we'll all do this together. Well, it'll be a one big group hug. Let's start. Let, yeah, let's start with the bad news. The bad news is, unfortunately, our 2020 shows that we had rescheduled are going to be postponed once again. Re-rescheduled. Re-re-rescheduled. And uh, again, this is not something we had uh, say in, unfortunately. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, pandemic. Pandemic. Uh, ev- everyone else is doing it. It wouldn't really be wise for us to bring people out and you know have everyone gather before it's too uh before it's perfectly healthy to do so and safe so so we have to postpone we do not have um technical dates yet so as soon as we have those we will let you know and uh the shows are being rescheduled so not canceled so do not fret we no, will see we are you still eventually <laughs> we are still gonna do this tour we have talked it up way too much we are so excited <laughs> it's gonna happen please love us still in 2021 and come to our shows uh we do have some good news because of the cancellations or the postponement if you will we have decided to host another virtual live show we had so much fun the first time yes and this time we're kind of switching things up a bit to like spice it up if you will yes we're going to be doing a listener's edition so instead of us telling a story we're going to basically basically be doing a listener's episode but live um and instead of just using the 
a batch of listeners stories that we currently have. We want people to submit the scariest stories that they've ever experienced, either them or their friends or someone they know. And uh, we have a special email address for you to send those to. That way they're on one nice spot so Eva can find them. The address is ATWWD from our couches at uh, gmail.com because we're going to be doing the live show from our couches once again and so we are going to do this again we'll give you the ticket link as soon as we have that as well Mm -hmm. um the date is august 22nd yes and it's five pacific standard time eight eastern standard time yes and And i believe that's a saturday this time and it's a ten dollar ticket admission yes um and that is going to be uh the proceeds are going to go to the marsha p uh, Johnson Institute for Black Trans uh, for Black Trans Support. So yes, and we're very excited about it, and we're excited for you guys to send in your scariest possible stories to make this a spooky a spooky an episode as possible. Yeah, we're gonna be reading the top ten scariest stories that uh, come our way. So if you would like us to read your story during this uh, live show, uh, please send it to atwwd from our couches at gmail.com. See you there. <laughs> Hello, welcome to And That's Why We Drink. Hello, Fresh. Welcome. Your local, your friendly neighborhood paranormal true crime podcast. Your friendly and fully anxious paranormal show. Um, (laughs) We just tried to figure out what the word rumble means. And I feel like this is one of those things we're allowed to ask the audience, like, like like call a friend or phone a friend. It's one of those audience. things where I'm I'm willing to hate myself later when we get a million tweets about it, right? Um, because it, well, it's just a simple Google search of what the definition is, and I just choose not to do it. I mean, to um, be fair, we are sitting here recording, so it is a little more difficult for us to re- to Google right now. But I do I just want to know what everybody else thinks it means because well, because we said ready to rumble, and I was right. like, are ready to do what exactly? And it's like, are we? Christine thinks rumbling is. Well, like I said it on your knee. I thought that because that's the sound you make when you are ready to rumble. But you're right. That wouldn't be actually rumbling. But you're right. Maybe it means. OK, I, th- I think I know. Um, can I guess? Uh-huh, I'm raising yeah, my hand. OK, um, <laughs> I'm going to guess that it means to like fight. To rumble. Like we're I ready like to rumble. I feel like rumble is a specific act act in fighting. Like I feel like it's like taking someone down to the ground. Oh, I see. OK. OK. Or like rump, ramp, rump, rumble is like to roll around like a wrestling move versus a sure. fighting move yeah 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 to like a uh, tumble like you said tumble rumble like a rough tumble maybe yeah there we go see maybe. this is the Did kind of thing the that you learn on this educational podcast called and that's welcome why we to drink. us solving mysteries uh so many so many that one to begin with uh christine why do you drink what do you drink and why do you drink oh this thank week? you for asking <laughs> that was pretty good. That was, uh, uh, that was delicious, that little pop right there. Thank you so yeah. much. I'm uh, drinking 19 Crimes, my favorite one, which is like the most intense one um, called The Banished, where they scratch his face out on the bottle. Um, and today the crime says, stealing fish from a pond or river. Maybe he was hungry. I don't, I don't think that's really like worthy of being banished. I feel like, like you can, like if you steal from somebody's 
koi pond, sure. But like a river? Uh-huh. Does anyone own those fish in the river? I don't know. If you're stealing fish from a river, then a lot of fishermen out there are in trouble. Yeah. They should so all be banished. Fisher people, by the way. But yes, they oh, should all be banished. There um, you go being an ass. This is me coming in hot with your PC update of the day. <laughs> uh- <laughs> And why do you drink? Oh, I will tell you, actually, you know why I drink is because I started like reading again, which I know sounds like dorky or whatever, but like I haven't been like good about reading. And now I've been reading every single night before bed and I'm really like into it. And I went to our local bookstore and um, I uh, (laughs) were you snapping for me? I was snapping for you. Okay. A little golf clap. Well, the way that it because when you look at me, you look above the camera. So I thought you were like calling for a drink. Like you were like snapping at a, a server or something. Oh, wow. I really, first of all, love that you think there's a server in the studio. I know. Second I was all, like, damn. Love that you think I'm the do you know who I am kind of asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, uh, I'll wait. <laughs> garçon, milkshake. Thank you. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yes. Thank you for the snaps. Uh, and sorry for the insult. Um, yes, I, I've been reading and I picked up a bunch of Stephen King and I'm reading Duma Key right now, which is super creepy. And, um, I'm just like really gung ho about my Stephen King obsession now. And I'm like diving right back into it. Um, and so I was going to see if anyone had, um, book recommendations, but I was like, how do we even organize that? So then I was like, maybe I'll make a Goodreads page finally of like all the books, Ooh. like I'll be gone in the dark because the HBO shows out now and. Um, which is really good, by the way. And, you know, some Stephen King and people can recommend books. I don't know how that website works, but I'm just guessing. So that's I why I drink because I'm just like ready to rumble and read a book. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. OK, that should be on a shirt and also should be. Uh, thank you for the snap. Sorry for the insult. That's <laughs> just brilliant. All the that way to be the on top. A woven sweater. <laughs> All the way. A needlepoint. Uh, oh, boy. Why do you drink? A needlepoint. Uh I don't know. I know I didn't I didn't know why I drank last time either, but I think this time is uh I'm still kind of in that like phase. I remember a couple weeks ago I was like I'm kind of in a meh phase. I'm I'm back in that. But I I also feel like um I'm slowly being able to define it better and I think it's uh I have the Gemini curse upon me right now where I'm feeling incredibly I'm feeling this like really necessary urge to be productive and creative. Mm. But then the other half of me is like, but you were productive and creative yesterday. So we should sit down and not do anything now. And so I have all these kind of like ideas in my head, but then like, I don't have the gusto to like, like execute them. So then I ends up with this like weird lopsided guilt that I created on my own. It's a very like, perpetual I totally like, get that it's like weird pressure that you've invented on yourself and yes. like everyone else is like you're fine but your brain yeah, is like I, but what about all those things that you want to do I've literally done nothing wrong and yet I am a failure yes <laughs> just like hashtag depression I think like, it's just <laughs> I think you're like spot on and I bet you so many of our listeners right now are like yeah exactly because mm-hmm. I think especially with this quarantine like you can't distract yourself like we used to Um, And you can't feel productive, like, by going to the bank or whatever you did that day. So, like, you're just stuck inside. What's interesting is I have – I'm doing that thing – again, this is proof why I think I actually have um, some ADHD tendencies, which I have still not gotten diagnosed officially. However, I am just finding reasons more and more every day. (laughs) I can't wait to just, like, give a list to my therapist and be like, 
please just tell me I have ADHD. Um, <laughs> You're just like, I already wrote it. Sign at the bottom. We're good. <laughs> and by the way, my ADHD list of reasons why I have ADHD is actually like a totally different list because I couldn't focus on the right list because I have ADHD. <laughs> um, like last night I was trying to do my notes and you know what I did instead? I fucking Googled literally every single cast member of Degrassi um, just to see where they were in the world. And then like, <laughs> I like bookmarked like my favorite ones that are like really doing something with themselves you bookmarked them (laughs) like why like why did I do that I don't know but I just like I got so laser like laser focused tunnel visioned into it where I was like well I gotta know now like I've already caught up with 30 of them I gotta know the other 50,000 so well it sounds like you were very dedicated to that one task so so that one task that was not needed at all. And then this <laughs> morning in a frenzy, I woke up early to finish the notes I should have done last night. So <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I'm finding ways to be productive about the things that literally nobody cares about at all. And neither should I. Yeah, so I feel you I drink. for sure on that. And um, I will drink to that from afar. And as someone who knows you and well, and from an outside perspective, uh, you are doing a lot of work and you have done some things in the past recent weeks where I'm like, holy shit, I need to up my game here. So do not even, I'm just like, I'm always here to tell you how much you're doing um, for me and the show and um, other people. And like, I mean, even our listeners, as far as like Marvel Mondays every single week and we do the you like do the thing the thursday happy hour and i do the thing, you the thing. yeah i appreciate that and it's it, it i mean it's such an obvious thing that like does not need to be said but like it's so easy to forget about the things you actually are doing consistently and just focus on the things that like you're not working totally. on totally there's so many random projects like it does not even necessarily career projects but like oh i've been wanting to get this thing done in the apartment and then yes. i just look over to like that corner of the room and I'm like, I don't want to. And, and then, then sud- I just end up hating myself. And then suddenly so. a week has passed and you're like, why am I such a loser? No, yes. I get that. And I feel like one of my biggest fears or like issues in life is the feeling of like wasting time or like losing time. And so yeah. that feeling of like, I could have done so many things in the past. I literally waste time thinking about how I'm wasting yes, time and how much exactly. I hate wasting time. And yet exactly. now I've spent three hours lying in bed thinking about how I'm wasting I also time. have it's- a tip, which you're not going <laughs> to love because I know you don't like to read. So this is actually for everybody else who likes to read, actually. Um, this is a tip for you. I have found that reading like, well, A, it puts you to sleep much faster because you're not staring at a screen, which usually I'm watching Queer Eye so that I stay up <laughs> till four in the morning. But now I'm reading. And so it like helps you fall asleep because the screen's gone. But also... I feel way more productive if I've read like a chapter of a book or something, even if it's just for fun. Um, so that is one thing that I recommend is like, if you do like to read, like read for an hour and then you'll be like, Oh, I feel like I've educated. I don't know. It feels productive more than like watching TV sometimes. You know what I've been doing is it's not really uh, reading before I go to bed. I do. I'm very good at um, not very good at. How do I say this? I'm very good at it, but I haven't been doing it for a long time. So I can't say like, oh, I've always done this. But when I want to go to bed at a certain time and I'm trying to get myself to go to bed earlier, um, I am good at meditating and like clearing my mind to oh, fall asleep. How do you do that? Remember I told you, remember I <laughs> told you my I'm... Iron Man thing Oops. where like I pretend oh, I'm Iron yeah. Man? <laughs> yes. That's my favorite thing. It works. Um, but so, yeah. Anyway, so that's. Oh, I was going to say, instead of reading, one thing I have been doing is um, in the middle of the day, I've given myself a designated time where I've been having tea time. Oh, 
um, which has been very just lovely where I literally like don't even bring my phone to the table. I just sit there. I feel like literally a grandpa because I make my tea and I then I sit at the table. I like our dining room table and I just sit there and drink tea and I look at all the pictures on the wall. Oh and my I just, gosh, that's precious. I just look at the pictures and I just think of all my fond memories with all the people on the wall. Especially and by me. The time I'm, and you're on there. And then by the time I'm done, I, I've finished my tea and then I go back to work. And then you go back to your phone and it's me having sent 45 memes and being like, where the hell are you? That's what happened yesterday. I guarantee it. <laughs> I, I was like, I, I bet you from afar, I feel that you are not at your phone. And so immediately I, my desire is to just harass the crap out of you. Well, so when I do that, I also before I while I'm making the tea, while I'm waiting for the water, I um I also... I'm making it into like my my bridge into the beginning of the night or like the late afternoon. Um, Because I remember when I worked at ISS, my big thing was, oh, if I um, around four o'clock, my boss, Renee and I, we called it snack time. And (laughs) and at four o'clock, we would always at four o'clock go into the break room and grab something to eat. And that was our like signal into like, okay, only two more hours left to work. Oh, that's nice. And so now at four o'clock, it's like, okay, I'm making tea. I turn on, we have like many things that light up in my apartment. And so like, just to make a, (laughs) to make an, an ambient mood, um, for like, as the sun's starting to set, I turn on all the little lights, I light up some candles and then I just like drink my tea and then I go back to work for the next couple hours. That's very sweet and precious. And that makes me feel very happy. And I think I might take a page out of your book, not literally since you hate reading and your page out of your comic book <laughs> and, uh, you know, there try that out for myself. I love that idea. Anyway, I did not mean for that rant to go on forever and ever, but. Oh, I we- did. Okay, good. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15 percent off their first order at burrow.com slash drink that's burrow b-u-r-r-o-w dot com slash drink for 15 percent off burrow.com slash drink it feels very fitting that juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy we're happy but because we're not mind readers we don't always know when they're unwell and in my experience cats are not the most you know open when it comes to sharing their woes and there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. 
Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Um, so our episode or our story this episode um, is one of those things where I, once again, I'm shocked that I never heard about it Ooh. Um, because it's, no one has recommended it or anything. This was truly just a, a search. I actually tried to look up, I typed in most haunted places in Germany and I was going to do like a Germany oh, story, <laughs> but literally every article that seemed like it had some meat to it was in German. And I was like, <laughs> well, I don't know what to do with this. Get cracking on some Duolingo, my friend. <laughs> so I, uh, I ended up not going to Germany. I'm sorry. So we, we found ourselves in Whoa. Ireland and, uh, this is the story of Lep Castle. Okay. Which... Uh, thank God I remembered that everyone in Ireland spells everything so fucking wild and pronounces it <laughs> even crazier because I thought this entire time it was Leap Castle because it's spelled like, like Leapfrog. Oh, sure. And then I watched one video and realized how stupid I was because everyone was like, Lep Castle. And I was like, okay, well. Well, well, it's like Lept without the T at the end, sort of. Thank you M- for making may- me feel better. Maybe. It's not a silent T. It's just an invisible T. Got Right. Sure. A ghost so, tea. <laughs> so in uh, this is in the county Offaly. O-F-F-A-L-Y. Listen, don't look at me. Ophaly. It's probably pronounced like Christine or something. So <laughs> like awfully difficult to uh, say the name is how it's pronounced. <laughs> it's been on many world's most haunted lists. It's known as the most haunted place in Ireland. Apparently kind of across the board, it's known as the most haunted place in Ireland. Um, or at least one of like the top three, maybe it has 20 active spirits and it's been on many TV shows, including the four that I watched, uh, most haunted ghost hunters, ghost adventures, and scariest places on earth. The two latter being the ones we seem to have the most commentary on. Yes. Is, is Um, scariest places on earth the one with like Zelda, the the commentator who sounds like a creepy witch. Okay. Yep. (laughs) Yep. That's That's the one. Traumatized me. Apparently, so I don't know what this means because I'm not from Ireland, but if you wanted to visit the castle, uh, you can find it on the R421. I think that's like their version of a highway. It's probably like R4- route, route 421. I'm stupid. Yes. I guess. I don't know, um, though. Six miles from Ardmore Country House and the person who currently owns it named Sean Ryan. Um, I think I heard a while ago that he no longer do- allows paranormal investigations in there, but you can still visit it. And in that case, you can call the number. Well, there's a lot of fucking numbers. <laughs> Ireland, ha- Ireland has some wild numbers. Okay. 353-868-690547. You can call Sean Ryan up personally and be like, I would like. Please don't uh, tell him to- that w- we sent you, though, because I don't want to be in trouble for that. I- 
for the record, I don't think that's his personal number. I think that's like the castle's number, but it's written, on a, f- it's written on a few websites to be like, oh, you like he wants people to visit and you can call here. Oh, great. So then go ahead. It Never like, mind. Uh, that's what it that's what it came across as on a few different sources. Eat so, your heart out. <laughs> so some of the sources, this is really confusing for me because uh the castle has multiple potential uh, birth dates, essentially. So, like, what I heard mainly is that it was from the year 1250. But okay. I've also heard from many sources, like, I, there were a lot of links I went through, and there was a lot of TV shows, and the TV shows weren't even consistent um, as they were like interviewing him. So interviewing Sean Ryan. So, uh, the main years I got were that this castle is from 1250, 500 BC, oh, 800 AD or the 1500s. Whoa. Okay. A lot of, a lot of wiggle room there. A lot of rumble room. (laughs) Rumble Um, room. Oh my God. (laughs) So, I'm going to say 1250 because that's when um, history, there there seemed to be a few facts historically about it. Also, 1250 um, sounds so cool but, as a year. I mean, again, us Americans, I'm just shocked that 1250 ever existed. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I know people probably write on Reddit about how stupid I am. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I care and stop doing that. Listen, if you grew up in America, and then someone was like, this is from year four. You'd be like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, so the castle, I'm going to say, was built around 1250 by the O'Bannon clan. Um, although some people, the reason they say, like, it could go towards, like, 500 BC is because there are, there is archaeological evidence suggesting that uh, this castle, or at least this property was well used during like the Iron Age or even the Neolithic Druid times. Um, So it goes way back. Um, If it were used by Druids, which rumor has it that that seems to be accurate, that Druids, even if the castle wasn't there yet, Druids, which are like mystic seers, um, at least use the property for like ceremonies, um, which they think could also be a reason why this place is so haunted because maybe they summon something. That's so cool though. I, I I can't wrap my head around it. I hope it's kind of true. Me too. That sounds fascinating. Um, in uh, Ghost Adventures specifically, and usually we make fun of Ghost Adventures for like being kind of like over the top, but every single one of the shows that I watched all had different answers to this. So I can't even knock Zach Bagans for like having a different version of this. But at least in Ghost Adventures, they said that the Druids summoned a powerful force on the land pre-castle time and that's what caused causes like the main spirit here but then other people say that it happened in like this like the 1800s oh okay so it really fluctuates yes um so it is one of the longest continually inhabited castles in ireland fun fact um and in 1250 when it was owned by the o'bannon clan or at least the land was uh o'bannon territory it was called, I'm just going to say the English version, the Leap of the O'Bannons. That was the name of the land. The Leap of the O'Bannons or the Leap of the, the O'Bannons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably the Leap. Um, it's, 
I think it's Gaelic, Celtic. I don't know. I'm too, I'm too ignorant, but it, they have the Irish version of that. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it translates to Lep of the O'Bannons. And, uh, the legend is that when the O'Bannon clan lived there, they call it the Lep of the O'Bannons because two of the O'Bannon brothers leapt from the property's cliff to determine who would rule the family. So like one was going to die and the surviving brother would carry on the name. And the sister was standing at top going, yeah, jump. We'll see what happens. I'll take over. <laughs> the sister was like, I already signed the papers. I'm in yeah. charge. Let's see if they both <laughs> you go. idiots jump wherever you want. <laughs> Damn. <clears throat> and so uh, I guess leap and lep mean the same thing. It's just the, right. a matter of pronunciation. So some say that it dates back to only the 1500s because the earliest um, clan that lived there um, with like the most history was in the 1500s and they were the O'Carroll clan. And they apparently were fucking wild. Like they were the most violent family. Oh, they were super brutal. They pretty much were like, we will kill for literally no reason. Um, and so the castle through the O'Carrolls got passed down from generation to generation for a very long time. Um, and John O'Carroll, who was the original one to live there, he was the one that helped build a lot of the foundation of the castle. So I think that's where a lot of the confusion starts, where the O'Carrolls built the castle, but O'Bannons lived there, but also Druids were there. So I think Druids used the land, the O'Bannons probably took control of the territory, and then the O'Carrolls built upon it. Got it. Um, that's to the best of my knowledge. It could be totally wrong. Um, <clears throat> so John O'Carroll died from the plague after he helped build, uh, the beginning parts of the castle. His son took it over. This is about to get really fucking like green leafy, like on terms of drama, like it's going to get wild. Okay. I'm ready. So, <clears throat> so John O'Carroll built chunks of the castle, died from the plague, gave the castle to his son named Mulroney. Mulroney gave it to his son named, I don't know, Fear Fear Ganaim. Sure. Okay. Um, who, by the way, allegedly like murdered guests at the dinner table and shit. So oh, like cute, 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 cute. Starting cute, out cute. strong. So that son then had four sons. Um, the two who are important here are Teague and William. So these are the great grandchildren of the original O'Carroll. Got it. <clears throat> so Teague and William are two of the brothers who are important here. One of them, Teague, uh, he was killed by a relative in, in the castle. He was killed by an uncle or something. Um, and then the brother William in retaliation killed the uncle for killing his brother. Oh, geez. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, so before, also the brother who, like, uh, avenged his brother's death, William, he was also later killed by family. So oh boy, both brothers ended up being killed by family after killing for each other. Are you telling both me them, your Greenleaf show is, like, super brutal and violent? Because that is not something I was expecting. Not brutal and violent, but brutally dramatic, I will okay, say. Okay, okay. <laughs> by the way, season five just came out, and I told my mom about it, and I've never heard that woman shriek that loudly. She was like, I gotta, I'm canceling my plans. I gotta, I gotta turn on the TV. Like, oh, my she, God. If you don't watch Greenleaf, there's something wrong with you. Every single person who has listened to me and given it a try has tweeted and been like, 
I've never been given better advice. Than okay. But can show. I ask you a real question? Like on the spot, please. Yeah. Okay. So I, you had told me about it and I was like, I'd like to watch it. And then you said you better not watch it because you are going to try and ruin it. And so then I never watched it. <laughs> But like, I really want to watch it. And so now I'm like scared to watch it. But I would never I don't want to ruin it. I just want to enjoy it. I don't think you'll ruin it. I think I think what I meant by that is it was in the vein of it being like the Duggars and being like very like fundamentalist Christian thing. Like I know, like with the Duggars and the Plasts and everything, you would definitely have to keep a much more open mind before criticizing. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't think that you watch it and go like, oh, wow. Yeah, I wish I were more fundamentally Christian. I do. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Uh, no, but Greenleaf is different in that it's at least fictional. So I think oh, you would, I always forget that. I think you would because I think the conversation you're referring to is we, we were on the train. Yeah, I uh, was, I was so Diego. mad. I locked myself in the bathroom and Eva was like, <laughs> what do I do here? <laughs> on the train back from San Diego, we were talking about the Plaths. That's what it was. And I was because just like asking a million questions and you were like you're not allowed to watch it because you're gonna ruin it because I, like, I think well yes I think you were I think I thought you were going to ruin it because the plus I was so excited and I was I was so excited about how bananagrams they are and I was afraid that in the moment that you were gonna be like like more uh nervous about their like beliefs and how scary they are versus how like bananas crazy they are yeah but, but I feel like when I watch like um some really fucked up shows, you know, and like uh, whatchamacallit, uh, My Strange Addiction and things like that that are definitely mm. problematic, but like still. I think you're right. I think I spoke too soon. I think I spoke too soon on that. I, I think you... you know the worst part that I never told you? I had already bought it on the train and then you were like, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I, and then I went and I cried in the bathroom and then I came back out and was oh, like, no. okay, I'm not no, going to no, watch no. it. But now I'm just so think... jealous every time we talk about it because I'm like, all I want to do is watch these things. <laughs> I think the plaths, I think you would probably, just knowing who you are, I think you'd probably watch it one time to be caught up with the information, but it would just be two fucking bananas. I think Greenleaf, you would love. Okay, great. I'm on it. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Okay, I promise I won't ruin it. I promise. I don't think, I think, uh, I think the reason I said that is because I think when I first told you that I was obsessed with the Duggars, I didn't do a good job on my end of making the disclaimer that I don't agree with them. And so I think I like was afraid that you were going to be like, oh, so like you there like was definitely a bit of confusion where I went like, wait, so we are talking about the same people who do like blank, blank and blank. Yeah. Right. Like we're not on board with that. Right. I think, I think hearing that I warped it into my crazy brain where I got paranoid that you judged me. And then no, I was no, afraid it is if you- fair. I mean, it is fair that I probably would have been like, what the fuck are these people doing? But I think that's why I made that comment. First of yeah. all, very sorry. I made you cry. I hate no, that. no, no. But- I was, it, we were on a train in the middle of our tour. There were plenty <laughs> of reasons for me to be crying in a train bathroom. Do not worry. But I think the reason is because I took that and warped it in my brain to feel like you judged me. And then I was afraid if you watched any other shows like that, you were going to continue to judge me even more. And then I got really scared. And then I panic screamed at you. Listen, as someone who's like terrified of being judged at any moment, I don't blame you for a second. I do feel like I really want to watch it, but I will do it really in silence. And then I will, I will only text you funny things. I will not try and ruin it. I promise you. I think now that we're on the same page, 
you would enjoy it as long as you don't think I'm someone who like agrees I with mean, them. Come on, you're fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. Also, Greenleaf as a fictional show in general, you will love. Also, like, part of my love. fear was that when you were talking about on the show, I was like, can we make it clear to everyone else that we're not uh, on the same page? And then obviously that was very clear. And I was the only paranoid yes. person. So this I is think we me. were all just paranoid in different corners of the exact same room. I Correct. think that's what happened. That seems to be our show. <sighs> anyway, yes, I do not agree with the Duggars, but I'm fascinated by any fundamentalist Christian family show out there because it's just so bananas. <laughs> And that's why We Drink is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I don't know this for a fact, but it's my opinion that there is no easier way to build a website than Squarespace because of this drag-and-drop technology. It gets better every year, and it is just, you when you think it can't get any better and easier, it does. I've been using Squarespace <laughs> since 2017. Um, and in that time, they have just proven themselves to be the best and easiest way to make a website. So anytime I make a website for any reason, that's where I go. When you're ready to get started, you can use one of Squarespace's professional website templates with designs for every category, and then you can customize it. You can customize the look, add new content, add features to fit your unique needs. It's just a great spot to have a landing page for you, for your business, for whatever it is you're trying to market or showcase. Squarespace is the best platform to use, in my opinion. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Where were we? Oh my gosh. Oh, oh yes. I don't the, know. The, the Irish Greenleafs. They're all murdering supposedly. each other. They're all left, left and right. <laughs> so, um, the... Okay, so both of the brothers ended up dying from relatives who, after killing other relatives for each other, such a mess, both of those brothers, before they died, had sons. Those sons, I think, end up also killing each other at different times. Um, Basically, it all comes down to this, the final uh, O'Carroll relative. Uh, Well, so his name was, one of them, his name was Charles um, he also literally killed like 150 of his own fucking men at one point. Oh, like they're just brutal people. Um, he later has a nephew named John. He's like the 7,000th fucking John in of this course. <laughs> family line, by the way. Um, and he takes over the castle in 1629. So everything else, just take it out of your brain. 1629 is where we are. Got it. Um, so the O'Carrolls would actually, again, very brutal, very violent. They would literally hire out other uh, families to train them how to be better warriors. And then instead of like paying them for their services, they would kill them <laughs> like after they oh, learned their secrets. That's fun. So they would call out like um, uh, there was one clan called the, the McMahons. Okay. 
And so I guess one of the uh, one of the O'Carrolls, he didn't like the Earl of Tyrone. So he hired the McMahon clan to either teach him how to kill or hired them to literally be like mercenaries and kill for him. Jesus. And there were 40 different people from the McMahon clan who were involved in this. And so once they finally beat out this Earl of Tyrone guy, they said like, oh, well, let's celebrate. Come over to the, the castle and we'll have a big feast. And when they got there, <laughs> he had poisoned their food and then like cut their throats. Oh my, this is some Game of Thrones shit. Yeah, that's probably a better way to say it than the green things. <laughs> I guess it's probably more palatable for our audience or like at least like uh, uh-huh. universally understood. Yes, that's probably. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Also, I've never <laughs> seen Game of Thrones. I should probably get into that while we're it's, all quarantined. It's very good and very gruesome. So just a heads up. But a lot of drama. You would love that part. A lot of drama. I come for the drama. I say for the drama. Nothing else really matters. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. So, oh, so then here's the other crazy thing. So I haven't mentioned this yet. Um, there's something in the castle called the oubliette, okay. which in French means to forget. Um, and it's basically like this like trap door into like a hole. And, and it's like there's specifically I don't think all oubliettes did this, but there specifically had a bed of like spikes Oh. So you could just throw people down oh, there and no. impale them and let them die. And it was called to forget. You would literally just forget them down there. Oh, my God. What the fuck? So a lot of the people that the O'Carroll clan would have over and kill, they would just throw them all down there afterwards. Just like forget just, about like, them. get rid of the cute. Forget about them. So they also, the same thing that they did to the McMahon clan, they also did that to 39 different people in the O'Neill clan. Um, where they, I think that one, either that one was the one where they poisoned their food and then cut their throats or they like just killed them all in their sleep when they were staying at the castle or something. Um, it's all pretty much the same and terrible. Um, but the most famous murder is probably in the, it's literally now called the bloody chapel. Um, it was just the chapel in the castle. And I guess one of the O'Carrolls was a priest, so he would you know, do his sermons there. And, uh, the, the, one of the priests, okay. So his name was Thaddeus O'Carroll, his brother Teague O'Carroll, many Teagues, many Johns, Mm -hmm. a separate Teague from the one I already told you about. Um, so Teague and Thaddeus were brothers in the O'Carroll clan. Thaddeus was a priest. I think their father, another Mulroney, Jesus had, uh, <laughs> their father had just died. And so the two of them were trying to figure out like who of them now is in charge of the family. And Thaddeus said like, Oh, I'm going to be in charge. And Teague didn't like that. So in the middle of one of Thaddeus's sermons in front of like the whole church ran up behind him and stabbed him with a sword and it went through his body and everyone watched him die preaching. Um, oh my god, this is like batshit crazy. Okay. So in sixteen forty-nine, the castle was given away from the Carol the O'Carrolls to the Darby family. Um, and this is because uh Jonathan Darby the second, um, he marries an O'Carroll woman. I'm pretty sure the castle was given to him as dowry for their marriage. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um and 
So anyway, so at one point, I think in the 60s, the 1660s, uh, the O'Carrolls ended up getting the castle back, but then it ends up going back to the Darbys pretty quickly. And it stayed within the Darby line for an even longer time. Like, so they, the Darbys got a hold of the castle in, right around 1640. And then it was still in their family all the way through the 1800s, all the way through the 1920s, I think. So for like 300 years, they, the Darby line was in charge. Um, and so in 1889, like t- uh, so many years ago, like 150 years before that was Jonathan Darby II, who was the first Darby in the castle. By 1889, literally every firstborn son in this family was Jonathan Darby the <laughs> blank. So in 1889, Jonathan Charles Darby, the sixth or seventh at that point, married a woman named Mildred Dill, which I like to call her Millie Dilly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I also like to call her that, by the way. (laughs) And in 1889, uh, Millie Dilly, so obviously married him and moved into the castle. She also was kind of like, I think, a feminist in her heyday. She was a really well-known author, but because she was a woman, she had a different pen name, which was Andrew Mary. Okay. Um, and she was a gothic novelist, so she wrote about like kind of creepy stuff. Dope. And people Yeah. So I'm into that. I also, am too. apparently her and her husband were spiritualists because this was the 1880s. Right. So they were very active in performing seances in the castle. Uh-oh. There's a lot which, of people to probably summon out of that little oubliette situation. Bingo. And uh that is the other storyline for how all the spirits got there because one story is that the Druids summoned these things back in like 500 BC or whatever. Or I don't even remember. Um, or they think that in the 1880s, Mildred and her husband were spiritualists and ended up bringing things in. It could be a combination of both. Right. Um, but that's, those are the two different stories for how all the spirits came to be. They also say that years later in the 1920s, um, the oubliette was discovered by people doing renovations and when they opened that up and like removed all the bodies, that was like kind of uh, another awakening for all the spirits to come out. So, right. Cause you're disturbing their resting place. So, so right. So there's many ways for like how these spirits got in. Um, so in 1910, actually, so this is 30 years after having already lived in the castle, Millie Dilly, she publishes a short story. She already has published many short stories and novels. Um, by the way, where she calls her husband, like, really awful names. Oh. Like, she's, like, not a fan of her husband. Um, oh, okay. She calls him an arrogant autocrat with a violent temper, and she complains in her writing to the public about how he likes to track mud into her clean floors. Oh, that's the worst offense of all, for sure. I know it. I also saw a different source where they weren't both spiritualists that performed seances, but she was, and he hated it. He just tracked mud in to the seance room. Bingo. It sounds like I would almost agree with that more, given the fact that she wrote in her own books and short stories that she like didn't really like her husband. It would make yeah. sense that they didn't have a hobby. Didn't together. like share hobbies. Right. Exactly. So I would bet that she was the spiritualist and he was like, fuck, I married this like ghostly woman. Which is what Blaze says every day. Um, (laughs) I was like, why does that sound so familiar? (laughs) uh, So 
one thing that she published in a magazine in 1898 was called A House of Horrors, which was about Lep Castle, uh, although it was called Kilman Castle in the story. And it has recently been republished, all of her oh. accounts of the Lep Castle. Um, the republished version is called Lep Castle, The House of Horrors, The Most Haunted Castle in Ireland. Cool. Um, but yeah, so they were rumored to hold seances and also because she was a gothic novelist as she was called i'm sure that added to like the pr of this of like oh well a ghostly woman who performs seances like in a haunted castle right so uh so they i haven't brought this up yet but one of the main spirits in the castle is actually known by the name the elemental oh okay that sounds fucking demonic which it apparently is. Oh. Um, so the elemental is supposed to be like the most powerful force in this castle. And that's the one that the story is like, oh, well, the elemental came from the Druids or they came from Mildred. Okay. Um, they just don't know which one. But uh, the daughter of the... Uh, oh, sorry. I was reading the wrong thing. So... The Darbys live in this castle, and during the Irish Civil War in the 1920s, the Darbys actually also hid, like, treasure or, like, their, like, prized possessions all over the property throughout the castle in weird spaces, and to this day, we still don't know where they hid them. <gasps> cool. I guess at one point, the Darbys uh, got imprisoned during the war, and then by the time they were released, they didn't remember where they hid everything, so no one's been able to figure it out. Um... Also during that time, the Darbys, uh, they were people who swore allegiance to the British crown, apparently. And so during the Irish Civil War, the locals did not like their castle um, on top of the fact that they were trying to expand their land. And so tenants that they had living in the castle had to raise their rent. Um, and so a combination of this made people just really hate the Darbys to a point where uh, people started like trying to break into the castle and loot their shit. And uh -oh. the Darby's like up and left. They uh -oh. just fled. Um, apparently at one point shots were fired near the castle. Um, their yard was being destroyed. Um, and apparently the IRA was even out to get them because they were English. And so oh. uh, the IRA made them uh, an object of interest or a person of interest. And so, What's fucked up about it is, so they, the Darbys are gone, but they left their, how bougie is this, their domesticated peacocks all over the castle. <laughs> I had no idea what you were going to say, but I did not expect that. Okay. <laughs> well, the IRA apparently, like, they, um, like, killed all of the peacocks. Don't, don't. Like, are you serious? As, like. Just, Why? like, as an extra fuck you to them. What the fuck? And then don't hung them from that. hooks hung them from hooks on the top of the tower to warn people. Oh, um, oh no, that's so fucked that... up. Of all oh. the things so far, that is the most fucked up. Sorry. Um, I, you know, animals then, get involved and it's bad. I know. Especially when they were domesticated and they seemed like they were kind. They were like little pets. Um, yeah. Little peacocks. Little pe nope. Never mind. Okay. Don't even try. I don't want to know <laughs> was... where your brain's going to go with that okay. one. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> So then an unidentified group of 11 men broke into the castle. Cause remember people are trying to loot this place. Right. Um, 
a group of 11 men break into the castle. They smash the furniture into firewood and they literally set the castle on fire. Oh. Um, apparently, one of the tenants who was still living in the castle uh, gave his account of what happened. And basically, these this group of men were banging on the door um, and they said that it was like two in the morning. They were banging on the door and they said that they needed a place to stay for the night. And since I think he was like the... I don't know. He he worked there in some capacity, so he let them in and they held him at gunpoint with his wife and child and he begged them to let them go and they said, "Okay, you have 20 minutes to grab your shit and leave and never come back." And so after 20 minutes they left and then these 11 men uh set the entire building on fire, oh. but they only got like the north wing of the fire or, or the north wing of the castle. That night, after the place, the fire was going out, people looted and took as much as they could. Um, and then the second night, it caught on fire again, and oh. the rest of the castle kind of got destroyed. Lord. Um, so there are some artifacts left because the, some of the furniture was saved, but for the most part, it was just kind of all destroyed except for the foundation of the castle. Everything inside was gone. Oh, um and then after that fire, when they were trying to do renovations, that's when they found the oubliette. Oh, oh! Can you imagine being the one to like open that up, though? They found three cartloads worth of human bones. <gasps> so. Okay, this is like a really probably grotesque. Sorry, Joe, so loud. This is probably a grotesque question, but like obviously, I have to ask now. So, if they threw people in there on these spikes, did they have someone who came and like? Yeah removed them from the spikes so that the next person could go on the spikes no according to according to sean ryan the at some point eventually their bodies were just being thrown on top of old bones it was so they like just instead of the spikes it was they were just left just building there. and building so they didn't even necessarily oh, yeah. die right away they just like were left there to die that's even worse oh no yeah so some of them were impaled with the spikes and then over time they were just falling oh. onto bones and then just suffering. Um, and also think about the fact that this was in 1922 that they found the bones and those bones went arguably back to the 1500s. Oh. So it was like 400 year old dead bodies. Like I mean, it was just like, that's just bones. recipe oh. for spirits. Horrifying. So, okay. So once they, the, the third storyline for like all the spirits coming out is that, you know, once they opened up the oubliette and removed like 400 year old dead bodies, that's when the spirits got really crazy. But if you think about it, like 30 years or 40 years before that, Mildred was already doing True. seances there and writing about how haunted it was. Like she had all these short stories about all the crazy experiences. So that one, that story's kind of debunked. Although you could argue that once they opened up the oubliette, that's when it got really fucking That wild. makes sense. Um, there is, so these are just some of the reports. Also, there happens to be something called a murder hole room. And that's not um, that? Which, like, they don't, that's they not don't really give any more information because they say that the murder hole room, they don't know where the exact location was, but it was the site of an O'Carroll murder. And it's like, okay, well, there were, like, oh. 50 O'Carrolls murdered around <laughs> here, and there's a massive oubliette dungeon with spikes. I'm imagining that's the murder hole. Right, that's so, weird. So there could be more than one murder hole, so to speak. There could be, and it like just got removed during renovations or something, and we'll just never know about it. Ugh, okay. Um, but anyway, so these are just some of the things that have happened there. 
Um, let me see. Oh, I lost it. Oh, one last thing. So uh, the castle since the 1920s ended up kind of falling into complete ruin until 50 years later in the 70s. One of the O'Carroll ancestors named Peter Bartlett purchased it and he tried to do as many renovations as he could, but then he died, I think in the eighties. And then by the, by the early nineties, Sean Ryan and his family bought the castle and now they're trying to do renovations. Okay. Um, so that's where we are today. Sean Ryan and his family still own it. Right. Um, he, we have his phone number. I remember. We all have his phone number now. <laughs> he's probably, if it maybe his kid listens to this podcast and he's like, God damn it. Like that I should would be never fun. allowed that to be public. Um, <laughs> So here are just some of the things. So apparently there are reports of bright, bright light in the windows and spaces where there is no electricity anymore. Um, people usually with the elemental who is like, Oh, I don't like that. The combined being of all negative energy in the castle, like is combined into one manifestation. Um, apparently when the elemental is around, you'll smell burnt rubber. Um, let's see. Also, apparently, the elemental is the dark shadow figure that people see lurking by the stairwell. Apparently, he loves being by the stairwell. Uh. Um, In the priest's house, which was an actual part of this castle, um, people see apparitions. And one of the Darbies even said, quote, there is something heavy that lies on people's beds and snores, and they feel the weight of a great body pressing against them. A monk also walks in at one window and out the other. So... That's terrifying alone. Um, And then there are two spirits of little girls named Emily and Charlotte, um, and they're seen playing in the main hall, and they lived on the estate apparently in the 1600s. Apparently, Emily died at 11 by literally falling off the fucking castle. Oh, Um, shit. And people will still see a little girl falling, (gasps) and then before she hits the ground, she disappears. But well, there have horrifying. been people who freak out being like, someone's of falling. Course. And then they're like, oh, no, no, that's just, they're like, no, 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 it's a little girl. And they're like, no, no, no it's okay. She does that every day. And she does it every morning. She just wants attention. Oh, no. my God. But she apparently like slipped and fell. So people still see her there. Also, Charlotte was her sister and people still see Charlotte. Um, so it's, they, there's different manifestations or different experiences people have. So some people, when it comes to the little kids, we'll see Emily falling off the tower and there and her sister Charlotte kind of like dragging Emily away with like a broken <gasps> leg. Like her oh. leg looks really fucked up. Jeez. People will also see Emily and Charlotte playing together throughout the castle. And like Aww. apparently Sean's daughter who like, by the way, imagine being a 12 year old and you have to go live in the most haunted castle. No. She says that she sees the girls all the time and her parents didn't even believe her until they saw the girls themselves. And they were like, holy shit, you've been seeing these girls all the time. She's Um, like, yes, what have I been telling you? But the daughter says that they will chase each other around. And what's kind of eerie is that the daughter says that you can see the girls and they look like they're like shouting and screaming at each other and like having fun, but you can't hear them. (gasps) Weird. So they're just like mouthing screams. That's creepy. And I wonder, I mean, that's a whole nother theory of like how much of your energy or like what energy, if the energy being used to show yourself is different than the sound. Ooh, that's weird. Yeah. Or like how much energy are you giving so that someone can see you visually? Does it take away from your 
audible experience. Because I feel like you know? most of the time it's more common to hear things than it is to see them outright, right. you know? So I wonder, huh? That's creepy. Also, a lot of people see the girls by the stairwell. And so then there's an argument that the elemental is by the stairs. So maybe the little girls are the elemental trying to look like previous owners of the house. So you feel vulnerable enough to approach it. And And children, since like demons like to be children. Oh, goodness. That's even worse. It's the perfect concoction of like, oh, a a previous owner and a child. So like, you'll definitely want to approach her. Ew, and um, maybe it can't make the noise of a child. It can (gasps) just look like a child. Holy shit. <laughs> you know how sometimes you know how sometimes they have my breath away. Like girls, but then the voice sounds really like demonic and garbled and like maybe yeah. it just can't make the noise Ugh. of a little child. <laughs> Goose cam. Oh my gosh. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> apparently people also see the apparition of an old man uh sitting in an armchair by the fireplace. Um there is an oh apparently um Emily and Charlotte's nanny is often seen and she likes um, blonde people the most. She'll like approach them more. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And apparently she will like grab people's arms or she'll like play with their hair. And what's weird is a lot of the times when that happens, guests are like awkwardly calm. Like it's like she puts this like presence over you to not be scared. Oh, well that's kind of nice, I guess. And she's also seen a lot sitting with the kids, with the girls watching them play. Okay, good. So maybe they are kids. I don't know. Fingers Fingers crossed. crossed. It's just weird that they, why would the kids want to be near the stairs with the demon? Maybe they're drawn to it. Okay. I'm just going to stop throwing Mm. out bullshit theories that I know nothing about. I mean, who, who's to say? What is this show without bullshit theories that we know nothing about? (laughs) There's a, also a spear called the red lady who she's a woman who's seen in a long red dress. She's very tall with long brown hair, but she is known to be carrying a dagger and having it raised like she's angry. Wow, that's next level. Like usually you hear like the lady in the dress, but like with a knife is oh, yeah, so much she's more. like sobbing in the corner. Yeah, in her wedding dress. <laughs> this one is out for literal blood. So that's so much worse. Apparently she has a glow. She like glows from the inside like a lantern is one of the one of the quotes I saw. That she like she seems dark and then as as she's like she becomes more illuminated with time and literally is glowing from like her belly out. Um, apparently people also feel an immense cold feeling in the room and they feel like the cold literally like hits their heart. The cold is so powerful. Whoa. And they'll feel their heart icy cold and then very quickly become like fire hot. Um, and so a lot of people don't really know what her storyline is, but, the two biggest arguments are that she is a victim of the uh, O'Carroll clan. Mm. Um, the most common, I mean, the the understanding for both storylines is it starts with that she was kidnapped and sexually assaulted and got pregnant in the assault. Oh, F. And <gasps> with the light. Yeah. Oh, no. Coming I didn't think stomach. about that. Oh, shit. Oh, that was my first thought. I was like, maybe she's pregnant, and here we are. (laughs) Oh, no. The pregnancy glow. Oh, God. Um, It's so much worse. It ends pretty even worse than that, Um, where storyline one is that she gives birth to the baby. Like, they hold her there until she gives birth to the baby, and then they killed the baby via a knife They and just to get rid of the baby. Right. 
Um, and then she was so distraught that she died by suicide with the same knife. Storyline two is that she tried to escape while pregnant and they, she tried to escape, they ended up catching her and then they stabbed her to death. So either way is horrible. But the idea is that now she has the dagger raised and like, I no longer blame her, I guess. Yeah. For eternity, just wanting to like get Ven, get, uh, revenge. Wow. Um, Although there is the argument to be made that a lot of mediums have also seen a tall woman in a red dress um, by the stairwell (gasps) and come like midnight to three in the morning, she will literally shape shift and her face becomes very ugly. So she's a demon too. Oh no. Also be a demon. Oh no. Um, so I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So (laughs) the elemental, um, the elemental spirit specifically, um, they don't know where it comes from. Again, it could be the Druids who are using, uh, who are doing ceremonies on the land. It could also be a magic practitioner named Gerald, literally Gerald Fitzgerald, um, (laughs) who is apparently the Earl of Kildare, Kildare, Kildare. Um, and, at one point, I guess he tried to actually take the property from the O'Carrolls and it didn't work. And so they think that maybe he cursed the castle. Oh, interesting. Um, but no matter what it is, apparently it's menacing and sinister. It's a shapeshifter. It will not bother you if you don't bother it. But once it's provoked, it will like fuck you up. Um, so they don't know if it's based in a cult where it came from comes from or maybe it's the manifestation of literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of death over hundreds and hundreds of years right oh that's even scarier our girl millie dilly she <laughs> calls it uh it and she calls it the thing um oh says, ew, that gave me goose cam she said that one time she saw it leaning on the stair banister with its hands even though it didn't have any hands oh god um she has described it as the size of a sheep but with a human face, uh, black holes for eyes and a nose and giving off the smell of a rotting corpse. So basically Millie Dilly is also the ghostwriter for Megan saying that she <laughs> smells like a fucking corpse in the locker room. <laughs> so Millie, when she was in seventh grade, her name was actually Megan. Um, <laughs> that tracks. So these are also just some of the things that, uh, These are just some of the reports. This is kind of just in one paragraph of a chunk, so I'm just going to read it all out at once. Um, So Sean says that they are, uh, that he has seen people with hazes around them. Uh, He says that he has heard crowds talking around him, and then when he turns the corner, nothing's there. Christine, sound familiar? Don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. (laughs) Apparently, um, uh, guests have reported being touched or have someone brush up past them. Uh, People have seen a woman near the main hall. They've seen children near the main hall. They've seen an old man near the main hall. Um, They've seen manifestations. They have felt, people have felt really nauseous after they smell the burnt rubber. Um, People have seen monks walking around on the grass. They've actually seen a priest running down the steps as if he's hiding from you, which I hate. I hate that too. Um, People have gotten shoved. They've seen a green light flashing. People have experienced cold bursts, see shadow figures. Apparently the barometric pressure has also lowered itself pretty uh, significantly, which is usually a sign that um, uh, activity is about to really get wild. 
Um, people have seen a bearded face with a hood flash in front of them and then shimmer away. No, 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 Like no, just no. bam, face, goodbye. I like the shimmer though. It's like a little, little zazzy. It's a little, it's the razzle dazzle. Razzle dazzle, ready to razzle dazzle. <laughs> ready to razzle. Okay. Um, also they've gotten EVPs, which in the four shows that I listed earlier, I listened to them and I think almost every show got kind of, of a similar EVP and it's really like gut wrenching. But it's oh. a woman screaming, like, truly for her life. Oh. Oh, no, no, no. Um, which you could argue is the lady in red being stabbed or anyone being thrown down the oubliette. Sure. Um, they've also gotten EVPs of, they only knew this because Sean was next to them and could confirm it, but they've gotten EVPs of a man speaking in, like, 1400s Gaelic. Oh, that's being, weird. Because they were like, we don't know what this is saying. What is he saying? And they were like, oh, it's in Gaelic. That's why I don't understand. creepy. People have showed mild signs of possession by feeling really aggressive and agitated and felt like they're being scratched. Um, people's arms and shoulders have been grabbed. There's been loud bangings, loud sounds of someone following you, like very clear sounds of someone following you. People have experienced static shocks when they shouldn't have. They've heard chanting. Um, and then let's see. Oh, my favorite is Sean said that pictures were taken off of a wall and left on his bed. <gasps> Um, and it was because he apparently he had a, a medium in there at one point who said like okay the spirits here have three requests like don't ever lock this door don't block this wall ever and don't do something else and he like blocked the wall what he like put furniture in front of the wall just for like a night and he woke up the next day and had like the picture frames all on his bed goodbye i was like has he called it a gentle reminder? A gentle um, reminder. <laughs> uh, let's see. People also say that they see the ghost of an old man climbing out of the oubliette. <laughs> Horrifying. Um, the uh, Charlotte has been seen calling out Emily's name, which is interesting because you can audibly hear her that time. That's a good point. Uh, electronics electronics will die when fully charged and then a couple minutes later after you give up using them will turn themselves back on and have a full charge nope um you can hear whispering in your ear people have felt blowing on their face um emf detectors will spike and people have seen orbs in the show most haunted uh one of the guys says that he feels he has a weird feeling that there's a spirit nearby and so trying to get um evidence on camera he starts provoking the spirit and really instantly gets shoved harder than like a live human being can shove a person. Oh dear. And he's so scared. Like, I mean, I obviously it's reality TV and like anyone could be acting, but like he's for sure like messed up about it. Like he's lying on the ground and like shocked. He's like, he's telling the other investigator, like, please don't provoke him. Like, let's get the hell out of here. Let's get out of here. And he starts crying on the camera oh. and he's like, just totally shaken up. He's like, I don't want to go back in there. Um, also, uh, one investigator named Allison o Oborn, Oborn um, says that she actually brought an ovulus in, and the first word that came out of the ovulus was elemental. <gasps> oh, God. Uh, the other two words were horrible and reveal. And then she heard a lot of bangs, the, a lot of equipment like REM pods and stuff triggered. She heard a guttural male voice. She heard footsteps. And then with the spirit box, she heard the words leave and bitch. Whoa. Holy shit. So um, also on the show, Scariest Places on Earth, the wife said that she has seen shadows. She thought she was talking to Sean and realized she was there was no one else in the room with her. Uh. Um, 
let's see the oh apparently i found out through scariest places on earth that they, there are still druids out there today or practitioners at least who have gone to the castle and i learned a fun fact about druids fun Tell fact me. Uh, one of their practices is when they're in a haunted place, they will make themselves burp on purpose to prevent spirits from possessing them. Interesting. So fun fact, like bring a can of Coke and get a little crazy. Okay. Well, I have like a weird side note on that, um, which is a lot of time, not a lot of times, but sometimes if you start meditating and you're meditating like really regularly, you start burping (gasps) and it's like the idea that you're like, maybe that's what they're doing. Yeah. It's it's like a common thing with meditation. If you get like really deep med- into a really deep meditative state, a lot of times your your body will start burping to like release stuff. Um, Weird. Yeah, that's just an interesting uh, little side. So note. maybe they're meditating and burping through that. Maybe interesting. Yeah. Like releasing um, stuff that's not good. Yeah. Um, so apparently, in uh, this is the last thing I'm going to say, but the. Small, the short stories that Mildred was writing, there's a few excerpts, um, basically her talking about all of her experiences. One of them is of like a little old man in a green cutaway coat who shows up every now and then, which sounds like a leprechaun to me. Um, <laughs> she also said in the priest house, there's a burly man in rough clothes um, who pushes a barrel up the stairs. Um, one of the another one, she said that she put her hand out and she felt someone grab her hand and the hand was much colder than hers. Um, and then all of a sudden, when the hand like moved away from her, she heard a hu- a deep human groan that sounded like it was praying over her. Um, she also said that uh, there is a tall, dark woman in a silk in a scarlet silk dress. So probably the lady in red. And Mildred said, she haunts the blue room, which always used to be the nursery. She sobs at the foot of the children's beds. Oh. Um, also, there is, she also talks about the lady in red again, saying that her, f- oh, no, this isn't uh, Mildred. Sorry. This is the show Most Haunted, where the medium saw the tall uh, lady in red shapeshifting, said that the face changed to a grotesque one, and the woman at different points in the show was hitting people's hands so hard that one of the cameraman's cameras went flying. Someone was holding a soda can. The soda can went flying out of their hands. Oh shit. Um, apparently the audio kept cutting in and out. So they had to like get rid of certain scenes cause they didn't have audio. <laughs> um, apparently she changes shape and she can shift all the way into an animal, which would confirm Mildred saying that it looked like a sheep <gasps> with a human face. Right? Oh yeah. Um, and then, uh, that's about it. But I'll end on a quote from Scariest Places on Earth. They interviewed Sean's little, like, 12-year-old daughter who said, <laughs> quote, I do think the spirits will be here for a long time after we're all gone and dead, and the next people who live in the castle will probably come back to haunt them, too. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so that's Lep Castle. She's like, I'll join them. It's fine. Oh, <laughs> You know what's weird about that sheep thing? Well, I don't even know if that's weird, but, like, you know how they say goats are a demonic Oh, symbol. Yeah. Maybe she was seeing a goat, not a sheep. Maybe. Anyway. I feel like to other people they look very different, but I'm I'm like not a farmer. I don't know what they look. They like. probably do, and also I feel like if you lived out in the land in Ireland, you probably know the difference between a sheep and a goat, and you're not an ignorant. I mean, realistically, dummy. I I do know the differences like between a sheep and a goat, but I can understand like it's tiny and white. Like yeah, like in the distance, maybe you're not sure. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Um, wow. Well, that was spooky, M, and probably 
is one of those things that will scare me tonight when I'm home alone. So thank you very much for Yay. that. You're welcome. So I have a story for you. Last week I said I had some uh, unsolved cases that I wanted to talk about. So this is another one. Yes. Oh, perfect. This was suggested to me by my pal, Disgruntled Pelican on Twitter, who's um, just an old a Twitter, a Twitter uh, follower that – I always enjoy interacting with. And they suggested that I cover the disappearance <laughs> of Kyron Horman. Um, do you know about okay. this? Not even a little bit. Perfect. So I didn't either, to be fair. Okay. Um, this is a big case up in Oregon. What so, year? Uh, 2002. Okay. I don't feel too bad about not knowing it then. No, yeah. It's not very current, um, but it's still unsolved. Got it. So, Kyron Richard Horman was born September 9th, 2002 in Portland, Oregon. He was the son of Desiree Young and Kane Horman, who was an engineer for Intel. Uh, Desiree and Kane divorced eight months into her pregnancy with Kyron. Uh, Kyron and according to, so I found this YouTuber named Kendall Ray, and uh, she covered the story and did an awesome job. I got a ton of research from her. And according to her video, uh, Kane actually cheated on Desiree while she was pregnant with Kyron. Um, and that kind of was confirmed by a couple other sources that I found when I went digging a little bit. I see. Okay. So Desiree was pregnant with Kyron. Uh, her husband Kane cheats on her then with some, with another woman. Then, uh, they are divorced for quote, irreconcilable differences. Um, and the two had been granted shared custody of Kyron until, until 2004, um, oh, I said that takes place in 2002. I meant 2010. I'm sorry. He was born in oh, 2002. Oh, I feel a little shittier. Right? It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it, that, that, I don't even know why I said that. This is the 10-year anniversary last month. I was. see. Okay. Sorry about that. He was born in 2002. Okay. Um, so they shared custody of Kyron until 2004, uh, but lo- not long after that, Desiree was actually diagnosed with kidney fail- failure, and um, it required extensive medical intervention, so Kane, uh, Kyron's dad, took full custody and um even though desiree was pretty was still really close with kyron and they saw each other a lot um kane kind of became like the sole uh, parent as far as like raising kyron and that kind of thing and uh in 2007 he actually married the woman that he had been seeing during uh desiree's pregnancy um and her name is terry moulton okay and uh in 2008 terry and kane who are now raising Chiron, uh, gave birth to their own daughter. And she had also brought a son from a previous relationship into their home. So like I said, uh, because of Desiree's health issues, Chiron lived with them for the most part. Um, but she, they often, she often visited them and vice versa. He would go and stay with his mom for a few days. Um, and they were still really close and it was just for health issues. She was still a really good parent and all that. Um, in 2010, Chiron was a second grader at Skyline Elementary School. And he was seven years old. And that's okay. when the case begins. Ooh, okay. Dun, dun, dun. Buckle, knuckle and buckle. Knock and buck. Knock and buck. <laughs> Let's crack into it to appease all the people who hate the other phrase. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that day, the school was hosting a science fair. Uh, oh, I didn't even say what day. June 4th, my birthday. 2010. Oh. <laughs> happy, happy birthday, Kristen. Yeah. Good day for me, perhaps. Uh, would have been my, what, 19th birthday? Not a great day for the, the family. Question. So, were you ever part of a science fair? Um, 
I think so, but I feel like I probably just like procrastinated and didn't really participate. What about you? Oh, I loved the science fair. I bet. I was- I, so my mom, one of her favorite memories of my childhood was, uh, in fourth grade, we were part of the invention convention and uh, we made, my mom is very proud of me, although it literally is so stupid. Like my, it's one of those things where like, only if you're a mother, will it ever be like, just so (laughs) worth praise. But like, as someone who has grown up and like with this and has hindsight, it's like such a trash moment. Tell me. <laughs> so my invention, because I had a cat at the time, I had a cat and a dog and the dog always ate the cat's food. And so I made the cat box, which is like not an original fucking name, but it was literally, I mean, if we're being super honest, it was a glorified basket over the fucking food that the cat could reach and the dog couldn't. But <laughs> that was it. But my mom to this day thinks it was like a multi-million dollar idea. <gasps> Where like I to be fair, like the interior designer in me really came out and like we put like a little disco ball in there. Okay, that's and we precious like, though. I would probably had, buy that for Junie. We got uh it had a motion sensor light to it. So when the cat walked in, then there'd be like party lights, as if like this cat wanted a goddamn rave. <laughs> but like it looked really cool on the inside and it was all motion censored. So like I think I had like music playing at a time when like there wasn't like triggering like not triggering, but like trigger, like motion triggered effects oh. and things like that. So it was just, and I think I like drew a picture of my cat and like taped it on the inside. So like it felt like home. It was really stupid, but I was trying to make basically a cat lounge and I put it all inside of this like upside down Tupperware box. Linda, I need photos of this ASAP. I'd also like a uh, an original prototype for Juniper because this sounds amazing. Honestly, at this point, I could probably just make another one in like 20 minutes. But I swear to God, as a nine-year-old, I spent like, I'd say six straight weeks on it Aww. thinking it was the most arduous task I've ever done in my life. Well, but- I love that. Well, okay, that's funny because in Blaze's family, they did the invention convention, which we never did. I would have been all about that as a kid, but we never got to do that. But I guess one of his brothers, I think it was Luke, like created this invention at the time. And now it's like a real, it was on Shark Tank, like somebody else made it and it's like a real thing. Um, And so they're like super bitter about it because they were like, (laughs) he invented that as an eight year old. We should have like patented it. Um, what is it, it was. Oh, I'm trying to remember. It was some sort of snack container where, like, you could put uh, multiple snacks in, but they wouldn't like get mixed together or something. Mm. It was like some sort of lunch accoutrement. I don't know the right I word. See. Some sort of like accessory uh, that was for bringing food. Oh, you know what it was? Sorry, it was for cereal where you could keep the milk separate from the cereal so it wouldn't get oh. soggy until you combine them. And now it's like a real thing at Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah, but they were that's like, a genius invention. And, like, he made that up at eight years old, and they're still, like, so pissed that, like, this is a big thing now. And Well, they that's just, that just shit all over my fucking cat box. Idea. No, like, I love but- the cat box. I would buy the cat box before a cereal. Don't worry. I, I remember drawing, like, a big, like, I painted, like, no dogs allowed on the side and of it. That like- is adorable. <laughs> I want one, right? I want one. I want a cat box. <sighs> and don't change the proud. name. Don't change the name. Cat box why, is perfect. Why, why would I? But, um... Anyway, sorry to hear about Luke's failed invention slash successful con- 
invention. I know they were like they're like so bitter, but also proud because they're like, well, apparently it was a good idea, but we should have done something about it. Speaking of which, it, kind of in the same vein, do you know what I was so fucking jealous about? What all my childhood were those people who got the the Pringles cases that were like glittery blue or glittery purple. Oh, that contain like their own thing you that could, were re- washable. It was meant for Pringles specifically. How? Why do they get that? I didn't get one. And the ones that had like the like it, I think one literally said Wonder Bread on it, but it was like the sandwich plastic container specifically and for that. Yeah, I sat there with my sandwich in a goddamn Ziploc, just Same. dented to shit, basically a pancake. Same. And then all my friends around me had their like little like Tupperwares, and I was like, "You sons of!" I um, remember telling my mom, "I was like, you're missing out on really making me look." popular mom and that she was glitter like, Pringles case <laughs> that glitter and look we're not over it so she she said you'll get over it and then she forgot that one day I'd have a career where a microphone was put in my face and <laughs> she I could forgot yeah <laughs> remind her of all of her failures as a parent by the way Honest thanks God. for the purple game boy not mom can you imagine though we're gonna have kids someday and they're gonna be like I want a glittery box from all my tick <laughs> for all my tiktoks and we're like no you don't get a tiktok box and they're like but all my friends have a cool glitter tiktok box a TikTok We're, box. I don't even know what that is, but listen, honestly, if if my mom's biggest failure is that I never got my Pringles case, then I guess she's an okay mom. I know. I just, if that was the trauma of our childhood, then <laughs> I'm so mad. I'm still so mad. Okay. Anyway, moving on. I'll say things to that like that to my mom. She's like, oh, so we're not going to talk about like all the things that actually were terrible, like the divorce <laughs> and all these things. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm more concerned about my Pringles cup. And she's like, I it's guess like, that's good. It's like, I live on top of a fucking cemetery, mom. Can I just yeah. have my sandwich case? <laughs> <laughs> Give me one goddamn thing. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Anyway, so he had the science fair. He was very excited about the science fair, as I'm sure both of us probably would have been slash were. If I find out he made a fucking cat box, I'm going to lose it. And he made millions. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it was June 4th, 2010. Um, She took uh, Terry, the stepmom, took Kyron to school. And the science fair uh, was happening that morning. And Kyron's exhibit was on red-eyed tree frogs. And it was really Aww. precious, and he was seven years old, and he had this adorable poster with, like, tree frogs and stuff and a whole exhibit on it. Um, and it was sort of an open house kind of day where parents could come in and out, and school wouldn't officially start until 10 a.m., so classes weren't necessarily happening yet. Uh, Terry took a photo of Kyron in front of his tree frog poster, um, and we'll show a picture of that on the YouTube if you want to see it. Or you can just Google it. And uh, she left soon after that around 8.45 a.m. So according to Terry, the last time she saw Kyron, he was walking toward his classroom. She ran errands that day at two different Fred Meyer grocery stores until about 10.10 a.m. And between then and 11.39 a.m., Terry drove her young daughter, Kiara, around town uh, in an attempt to use the motion of the car to soothe her earache because she wasn't sleeping. Yeah. So she then said that once um, she had gotten her daughter home into bed, that she went to a local gym, worked out until about 1240. And then by 121 p.m., she had arrived home and posted photos of Kyron at the science fair on Facebook. Um, so later that day at 330, Terry uh, Kane, so uh, Kyron's dad and their daughter Kiara walked to the bus stop to meet Kyron to pick him up. When the bus arrived, though, the driver told them that Kyron had not boarded the bus after school that or not, had not boarded the bus after school that day. Um, so Terry called the school only to be informed by the school secretary that as far as anyone there knew, Kyron had not been at school 
uh, at all since the science fair. And he had actually been marked absent. So realizing that Chiron was missing, the secretary then called 911. And soon after, an automated message went out to the entire school district announcing that Chiron hadn't returned home from school that day. A search immediately took place, focusing mostly on a two-mile radius around the elementary school and on Savi Island, which is about six miles away. Um, And according to those who knew him, he would never walk out of school. So some people were saying, like, maybe he just kind of wandered off after the science fair. Um, They did question parents immediately after this. uh, And the... They questioned the adults, obviously, right away, especially Terry, because she's the one who had brought him to school and had, uh, for all intents and purposes, been the last person to see him. Right. Uh, and meanwhile, Desiree, so Kyron's mom, who lives a couple hours away, and her husband raced up to Portland. And Desiree called Terry, the stepmom, to let her know, like, hey, we're coming up uh, to Portland. And apparently Terry responded, oh, you are? And Desiree was like, yeah, of course I am. My literal child is missing. Um, but thank you for acting in such why a would weird. You, yeah, why would you act like that? Like super like taken aback almost. And uh, so Desiree was like, I was really weirded out by that. But I was like, of course I'm fucking coming. Like my child is missing. Right. So uh, now all four parents are together. So uh, both parents had remarried and all step parents are there as well. So on the local news, they all appear devastated. But Terry is like, you can see this. It's really weird. She's like grabbing onto Desiree and like holding her arm. The stepmom is to like uh, Kyron's mom holding her arm. And the Mm. newscaster is like commenting like, look at the strange body language between the mother and stepmother. Um, So it's just like a weird, awkward scenario from the start. Uh, And like I said, investigators are starting by looking into the parents, which makes sense. And they start with these lie detector tests. So everyone's obviously agreeing to take a lie detector uh, because their kid is missing. And that is until they get to Terry. So they tell Terry to take a lie detector test. First of all, she's very hesitant about participating in this. Um, And when she finally does, when they ask her about the day Kyron went missing, she claims she saw a stranger at the school during the science fair. Uh, Somebody she said she didn't recognize. Uh, but they said, can you describe this person? And she could not describe them. And also like nobody else at the school noticed a weird adult hanging around um, besides her, I guess. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Nobody else. Right. And you'd think like other parents would have seen if there was like a sketchy person. Also, I mean, I don't know about other schools or what school they went to, but like at my school, like all the parents kind of knew each other. So it'd be like, um, like if you, if you saw someone that you didn't recognize, it would they'd be out of place. Like, like other people would, notice. would have noticed it, right? Yeah, yeah and that's like I many think people was, would have made comments of like, "Oh, who's that?" Yeah, and I think honestly, at like a bigger school, I can see the other argument too, where it's like that you wouldn't know every parent, so why would you say I saw someone I didn't recognize? Right, if like right, right, you right. don't know everybody, or you don't know everybody's parents. It just seems like a strange thing to say. I right, saw someone. Like everyone I was a strange person. Yeah. I didn't know. So how would that person stand out differently? Exactly. So that was a little weird, especially because then they said, well, who was it? like describe them and she couldn't. So it was just a strange uh, note that that was the first thing she said on the lie detector test. Um, the police asked her to recount the day and she gave this timeline that I explained earlier of going to Fred Myers and going to the gym and driving Kiara around. Um, interestingly enough, an acquaintance of Terry's who was interviewed later on the news said 
she passed Terry at one of the Fred Myers locations and it was like they were they were just acquaintances they weren't friends but like she had passed her and t- Terry was kind of like hey and like stopped her and the lady was like it was kind of weird she insisted on showing me photos of Kyron at the science fair from that morning Ew, for like an alibi. Yeah, right? Like that's sketchy, I think. Yeah. And the woman was like, I don't really even know her that well. It was very weird. She like kind of forcefully like showed me photos on her phone of of Kyron. I I guess she could have argued like, oh, I'm just a mom proud of my kid. So proud, right. Like I've had people like in the middle of a store be like, look at this. And it's like, okay, thank you. Look at my child's cat box. It's so beautiful. (laughs) But then usually I could like slowly back away like – my mother probably would chase those people and be like, you're not looking at the disco ball. So, yeah. <laughs> But have back. you seen, have you seen <laughs> the, the motion sensing lights? <laughs> yeah, but that's true. And I feel like usually you would know that that's that person. Like you would know like, oh God, here comes Janet. She's always going to show me pictures of her child's latest invention or right. of, of the pictures of her cat or whatever it may be. Sorry, I'm pouring more wine. Um, no, good. But, <laughs> or whatever that may be. <laughs> But, like, f- this was not a scenario where that lady – basically, this lady was like, I don't know what was going on, but it was really weird. She stopped me and, like, forced me to look at these photos. So it wasn't in her character, if that makes sense. Like, it wasn't expected behavior of hers. It was just very strange. Mm. Um, and then, I mean, to me, the posting it on Facebook is also a little weird, which I know a lot of parents post things on Facebook. But just to, like, show them at the store, then immediately go home and post them on the internet – the day it's like of. the only proof she has. She wants to make sure it's spread everywhere. Yes. And like, I mean, spoiler alert, later she was interviewed on Dr. Phil and she said something like, well, there's my infamous photo that's gone famous or something. And it's like the photo. It's just really off-putting. I don't know. I mean, maybe, I, I mean, I'm definitely huh. biased, but it's just a little bit weird. So I'll put that out there. Um, She said it felt odd and forced and what have you. So uh, what's worse is that Terry's cell phone records also didn't match up with her own timeline that she had given of driving around and of going to the gym and all that. So it didn't even match up to begin with. So she's becoming pretty damn suspicious uh, in the eyes of the police. Both uh, investigators and Kyron's mom, Desiree, and her husband are like, what the hell is up with uh, Terry? Like something is going on. She is involved somehow. We're sure of it. So Terry, uh, this is not directly related to this case, but she did have a criminal record. So she had been arrested for drunk driving a few years prior. And because she had had her son in the car, she had had to plead guilty to reckless endangerment. Um, Not necessarily related, but also just not a great look on her part. Um, Additionally, when they interviewed people at the science fair who were at the school, Multiple adult witnesses separate from each other claim to have seen Terry leaving the side entrance of the school with Kyron. Okay. So like not children, like, you know, adults separately from each other uh, saw her leaving with Kyron. Okay. Um, Even Kyron's friend, who was a kid, said he saw his friend Kyron out in the parking lot with his stepmom, Terry. So there are multiple people who are witnessing her. Even though she's saying, I saw a stranger at the school, they're all saying, we saw you at the school with Kyron. Okay, got it. So that storyline is kind of out the window at this point. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, I think it is. I mean... Unless she's, like, really, like, trying to, like, stretch the, like, maybe this random person followed them out to the lot or sure yeah maybe exactly um that's a good point too 
So a few people suggested that Chiron ran away, but like I said, that was not in his nature. Um, according to Desiree, his mom, quote, Chiron does not have very good eyes. He can't see, so he's not going to wander around. He's also very shy and doesn't trust people right away. That's just not his style. I know that was a timid child. Yeah. I know that was a theory from the very beginning, but that's not Chiron. He wouldn't do that. He's a pretty shy, timid child. He has a great wit and a sense of humor, but he doesn't show it very often to people he doesn't know. He doesn't trust strangers. He prefer he prefers to be around his family. So, again, not proof that he didn't go anywhere, but it does add to kind of the facts of the story. Um, and two facts that we do have uh, is that Terry failed both of her polygraph tests. So, ooh, <laughs> not a good look. Okay. Not cute. Not cute, not- Terry. Terry, that does not look good on you. Um, the first test she took. Not cute. Not cute at all. The first sh- test she took, she blamed, again, she's on Dr. Phil, and I watched these clips, and I will reference them again later. But on Dr. Phil, when asked about the polygraph, the first test she blamed that she is practically deaf in one ear, she says. And because she couldn't see the facial expressions of the person asking the questions, she blamed, uh-huh. she didn't know how to answer them which i was like isn't that the point is that you don't see the person like you're just like i don't see why you would have to see the person's face she said i need to see their facial expressions to understand the questions but that doesn't make much sense to me personally um i I don't understand needing to like read their lips if you're really that hard of hearing yeah and it didn't seem to be that itself right and it didn't seem to be that imagine if you're if if you're a polygraph examiner, aren't you like pretty flat line, like face wise? Like that's exactly like, that's why. Yeah, I wrote like, isn't that the point? Like that you don't see emotion in that. Like the point is not exactly is not that yeah. you're like being yelled at by somebody or being like sweet talked by somebody. It's like supposed to be really right. flat. Exactly. So I thought that was strange that you would need to see their emotion to understand the question, which I thought didn't make a whole lot yeah, of sense. Like no one's laughing, Terry. Like <laughs> <laughs> no one's laughing, but you. Um, so the second test, uh, she blamed the administrator of the test saying they just didn't do a good job and that's why she failed. So she's going 0 for 2 here on these tests. Um, and she's extremely defensive from the start of the investigation. Um, and remember like she's raising this child. This is like basically her son, you know, she's been raising him since he was little, um, so it's just very weird that suddenly she wants nothing to do with the investigation. She's She thinks everyone is invading her privacy by asking all these questions. And they're like, we're literally all, – all three other parents are like, we will give you everything to try and right. find him. And she's just holding off, which is weird. a little weird. So on June 12th, around 300 trained rescuers were on the ground searching wooded areas near Skyline Elementary – um, the search for Chiron spanned over 10 days, and it was the largest in Oregon history and included over 1,300 searchers from Oregon, Washington, and California. And while the search is going on, this is a week after he went missing, Terry is, like, fucking living her own damn grand life. And by that I mean while everyone is out searching for Chiron, she is having this full-blown sexting affair with one of her husband's friends from high school. Um <laughs> so her husband Kane, so Kyron's dad, had this like old friend from high school, and I guess she and he, he and her, whatever they, they started linked up. 
They linked. They up. linked up on LinkedIn. No, not on LinkedIn. Oh, oh my god, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> on Pinterest? No, I don't know. <laughs> they they linked up, and she was like sending nudes. And okay, this is probably. I mean, I'm just gonna put this out there. This is probably the most uh, cringeworthy, horrific part of the story is watching Doctor Phil read these sexts on air. It's like I was ready to pull my hair out. Wow. Um, so I'm going to tell you the one, some of the ones that Dr. Phil read. So here we go. Imagine him. Imagine. I intend to. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> tell Jason Statham I am available for whatever. <laughs> I will pin you down and sit on you. <laughs> Christine as Dr. Phil as a sexy woman is crazy. <laughs> is crazy. <laughs> oh my god (laughs) I will pin you down and sit on you insert evil grin with latex so (laughs) I don't even know what that means so it's painful it's literal if you thought that was painful go listen to the original Dr. Phil reading them because he reads a lot and they go on for like a full three minutes and it's mortifying Um, and it ends with him saying Give me 15 minutes and I'll make you moan, which I'm like shocked somebody hasn't turned that Dr. Phil clip into something, but um, it hasn't. <laughs> Someone's about to. Don't you worry. Someone's about to. It might be me. <laughs> it's probably going to be you. <laughs> so this is all going on with her and this guy, her husband's friend from high school. Meanwhile, let's remember this is a week away from her stepson being missing and like she was the last person to see him. Um so several weeks after Kyron disappeared, Kane moved out of the house he shared with Terry. Uh, first of all, I don't blame him. This sounds like a shit show. But we realize pretty quickly the reason he moved out is not even because of those, like, sexy Jason Statham texts. It's okay. for a whole different reason. Because Dr. Phil talked about him. I know. <laughs> I see. He, he's haunted by Dr. Phil. <laughs> who Impersonating is his wife. Uh, who is it? Exactly. So... It's not even because of the sexy text. It's because police released later information saying that Kane had actually gotten information indicating that the family's landscaper came forward and claimed that Terry had offered him a lot of money to kill her husband five months before Kyron's disappearance. Oh, and then the land. Okay, sure. So the landscaper then like told him and was like dude this is what she fucking asked me to do so the landscaper told police and was like i don't know what is going on but this is what she told me five months ago so then police went to kane and were like hey by the way this is what we just learned and kane was like i'm out of here and he that's a nice courtesy call from the cops because like i I don't even know if i would have gotten that i feel like i think they were just trying to investigate so they were like well maybe this is something we can like you know like they i think they used it as like hey do you know anything about this like we're trying to figure out where your son is uh i see there's clearly trouble in the marriage and kane was like there is (laughs) and they were like um yeah there is that makes Uh, more sense i see Uh uh-huh so i mean it's again this was never fully confirmed i will say that um but it's not a good look and it seems weird again that somebody would come forward and say this not cute terry not cute terry and (laughs) For what? Okay, whatever happened, whatever info Kane got, it was enough to convince him to move out, and he got uh, full legal custody of their daughter. Wow. So it was enough. Whatever he had there, whatever info, it was enough for the courts to say, "Yeah, you're going to get full custody of your daughter," which is a hard battle to win, especially, especially as a father. Right. I was going to say, yeah. especially as a dad. Yeah. So we don't know for sure whether that happened, but it's another not cute look. 
Um, it wasn't until years later, too, that we found out Terry had actually been implicated in another murder-for-hire plot back in 1990. Uh, when she was 20 years old, her boyfriend at the time, 18-year-old Sean Ray, said he and Terry were eating Chinese food in the park when a strange man ran out of the bushes with a gun and Terry shouted to him, he's here for you. What? <laughs> Hold up. I know. It's what? just so batshit crazy. That makes... N- okay. Okay. Sure. Just move on. I don't know what to say to that. I don't know I how know. to react. So wait, was she saying that to the man just running out of there with a gun? She was saying that to her boyfriend, saying like, he's here for you when this guy oh, comes. Oh, that's even worse. I thought she was yeah. screaming nonsense at a nonsensical person. And then the oh, boyfriend's no. just sitting there with his like fucking chicken fried rice being like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's there with his chicken fried rice but scenario, yeah but the scenario is that this guy's running out with a gun and terry says to him this guy's here for Ew. you and i guess he like freaked out and the guy ran away and then it never was reported which is interesting because what happened was the police went to him after this whole um landscaper situation the police went to him from 20 years earlier and said like hey um we want to ask you about this. And he's like, but I never reported that. And they said, oh, well, somebody in prison, I guess, mentioned being involved. And that's how we know about it. So it wasn't even like this guy just stepped forward and was like, I have some other gossip that's part of the case. Like the police got this from another source, which also makes it a little more telling. It's like she's lucked out by not having to explain herself so many times and now it's all collapsing on her. Yeah. And now she's in the center of all of it. Exactly. So it's all coming out at this point. Um, it's also right around this point uh, that that Kane says publicly, I think my wife uh, had something to do with my son's disappearance. So okay. whatever's going on, he's convinced enough at this point uh, that she's involved. So on Dr. Phil, there was a there was a lot going on, but also there was a list of Desiree and Kane's accusations against Terry. So here are the, some of the things that they had brought up saying, like, this is why we think she's involved. So. She had written emails to her friends saying she hated Kyron, a.k.a. her stepson. Uh, she blamed her own marital problems with Kane on Kyron. She had asked Desiree to take custody back of Kyron. She made Kyron's disappearance all about her. She got her hair done, put on makeup, and went to the gym after his disappearance. She failed two polygraphs. Apparently, she was asked to do a third, and she walked out before it could even be done. Oh, So that's three in a row that didn't go well for her. Um, and so after all of these accusations, Terry left town and changed her name. Um, apparently, this is weird. She tried to change her name to Claire Sullivan, which was a character from one of her favorite murder mystery novels. Um, okay. That's a little too on the nose, Terry. I think so, right? And the a judge was like, you may not do that. <laughs> so instead... Why? Like, she's literally <laughs> writing herself into the narrative of like, why would you say yeah. that I'm involved in this murder mystery? Also, call me Claire. Like, she's like wearing what? a red dress and a smoking a cigarette. Like, <laughs> who, me, Claire? And they're like, you're literally not Claire. Stop trying to be Claire. Yeah. So she tried to change her name and the court was like, you may not do that. Um, yeah. Not cute, and, Claire. Not cute, Claire. And so she, <laughs> and so she uh, instead changed her name to Terry Moulton, which was her maiden name um, rather than Horman, which was her married name. So I will also add that between now, like her changing her name and the time Kyron had gone missing, she had already been arrested twice. So the first time was for auto theft and the second time was for stealing a gun from a roommate. Um, a 
uh, a boyfriend also during this time filed a restraining order against her and claimed she had held a knife to his throat and tried to kill him. Okay. So this is just in the short period of Kyron going missing and her leaving town. Jeez. Okay. So she's definitely unstable. Something is going on with her, right? Uh Whether it's like this or not or something else. Um, And again, I got that info too from the Kendall Ray's YouTube channel. Um, So this obviously does not mean she kidnapped her and and or killed her stepson. But again, like this is not cute. Doesn't Um, mean she didn't. Doesn't mean she didn't. (laughs) Precisely. So in August of 2010, it was announced that law enforcement were searching for an individual allegedly seen by two witnesses sitting inside Terry's truck outside Skyline Elementary the day of Kyron's disappearance. So a former sheriff said, quote, the identity of that second person, if they existed, could be critical in determining what happened to Kyron after 9 a.m. on June 4th. But nothing has come of that. Nobody's been able to pinpoint who else people have seen or people saw in her truck that day uh, in the parking lot. Meanwhile, in July of that year, a uh, Multnomah County grand jury subpoenaed several friends of Terry's, including a woman named Dee Dee Spiker, uh, whom Desiree and Kane both described as having been in close communication with Terry and also providing Terry with support and advice that was not in the best interests of our son. So essentially, they're saying this lady probably knows something or was somehow involved. Uh, We need to figure out what she knows. So apparently this Dee Dee character on the day of Kyron's disappearance abruptly left her workplace. Uh, She was gardening for a homeowner in Northwest Portland. She abruptly left, even though she was scheduled to work, and returned around 90 minutes later. Um, She also allegedly helped Terry purchase an untraceable cell phone uh, right around that same time. Okay. But law enforcement said at the time she was extremely cooperative. She allowed a search of her property uh, and her car. She endured three hours of questioning. She also told journalists, journalists, there's this horror that my friend is going through. If I thought for a second that she was capable of foul play, I would not have been there. She would not have been my friend in the first place. So this same year, Kyron's mother, Desiree, files a civil lawsuit against Terry because she's like, well, criminally she's not being charged with anything why don't i file uh, a death lawsuit against terry um saying you know he's re- she's responsible for the disappearance of Kyron. so she sought 10 million dollars in damages and Dee Dee was asked to be part of this questioning and interestingly even though she was so cooperative before suddenly Dee Dee refused to answer 142 questions during a deposition okay well y- yeah Um, Among these questions were ones regarding her own whereabouts that day and her contact with Terry. She also declined to identify a photo of Kyron, whether she had ever met him before or not, and whether she knew his father, Kane. So she just was totally just zipped, zipped, total, like plead the fifth. Like, I'm not going to say a damn word, Uh which, again, is your right, but also not cute, Dee Dee. Not cute, Dee Dee. (laughs) So uh, during testimony provided by Kane uh, in a separate hearing, he stated that police told him they have more probable cause to think Terry was involved than they did two years ago. Um, It was also announced that so Desiree in 2013 actually dropped the lawsuit against Terry because it turns out she like that lawsuit was kind of interfering with police actually looking into the case. So she dropped the lawsuit for now and was like, "Okay, fine, like I'll let the police try and solve this. Right. And then we'll get back to potentially um, bringing the lawsuit back up. Right. 
Um, so the problem here is that even though all of this is so not cute, uh, there is no real proof. They have not even found Kyron at this point. They have not found his body or anything. Um, I watched a Crime Watch Daily episode about this case, and Desiree actually says that she thinks law enforcement were ready to charge and arrest Terry because they had enough probable cause. But then the Casey Anthony trial happened. Mm. And Desiree thinks the reason Terry was never charged is that Casey Anthony was charged before they found a body and then was later acquitted. So basically she thinks that police were like scared to, to arrest her, arrest Terry without any like solid, you know, a body or anything and then have it go the opposite, like go wrong and have her be released. Yes. Got it. So she thinks for lack of a better term, they like kind of chickened out of like going forward with arresting her. Um, which is a bummer. Uh, Sorry, I just scrolled too far. (laughs) Yeah, so she said suddenly her team started pulling back on the prosecution side of the case. Um, And in that same interview, Desiree also said she wants to know who the hell Terry has been talking to, uh, what she's been saying, and she wants to bring her to justice because she is really convinced that Terry is involved somehow. Um, And she says she needs the help of the public. So she says, just tell us, no matter how bad it is, just tell us and end this roller coaster that we are on every single day. Mm. So this past June, so this past month, um, marked the 10-year anniversary of Kyron's disappearance. His mom told reporters how dismayed she was that they were basically in the exact same position as they were 10 years ago, um, which must just be so frustrating. Um, in May of this year, in 2020, a book titled Boy Missing, The Search for Kyron Horman was released, and this book claims that Kyron's regular bus driver, along with a classmate and two family members, witnessed Kyron walk through the school parking lot with Terry and her infant daughter that day on June 4th, 2010. Hmm. According to KGW8 News, the book also included some like strange and like potentially chilling details, in my opinion, that I hadn't read anywhere else, like the fact that Terry washed Kyron's jacket and pa- and backpack the day he disappeared, um, which was not a thing oh. that normally happened. Uh, right. Just strange. Um, the book also claims that items Terry had allegedly bought at Fred Meyer that day, including like a bottle of Motrin, none of them were ever found. So there's like no proof that she actually bought anything at these stores, okay. except to show that lady a picture of her stepson, I guess. Right. Um, The book also raised questions about an unexplained injury on Terry Horman's leg that I also had never heard about, which was like this gash below her knee, um, which Horman said she dropped a weight on her leg at the gym. But there was never any like further investigation or or explanation of that injury. Okay. So this September, Kyron's mom, Desiree, is releasing a book called Love You Forever, The Search for Kyron Horman, which uh, will be released by his birthday in September. She said the money she receives from the book will be donated to a missing children's nonprofit. And yeah, that was really sweet and touching. Um, And she actually described the last day she saw Kyron and it's like really heart wrenching, but I'm going to read it. She said, the last day I saw Kyron was actually two weeks prior to June 4th. He was going to his father and stepmother's house, but he didn't want to go back. He wanted to stay with me. It was an emotional exchange. He had to actually be talked into going back. I tried to talk to him a little bit about what was going on, but he was not very forthcoming about what was upsetting him. I even talked to his father about it, but I was dismissed and told I was just overreacting. It was really upsetting, and it was the last exchange I had with him. But he knew that I loved him and that I was trying everything I could to remedy the situation within my power. So Mm. she's lived with a lot of guilt, um, is what she's explained, like, 
just of, you know, being far away, not being yeah. healthy enough to take care of him, not being able to get herself involved before something happened. Um, if he is still alive, Kyron would be 17 years old today. Um, there's an age regressed photo. So if you have any information on Kyron's case, um, please call the tip line at one 503 988 or 1-800-THE-LOST. Um, and there is a reward out there if you if that's the thing that drives you to find missing children, I guess. Sure. But um, if you do know anything at all, uh, feel free to call. And um, on that note, I also wanted to point out an organization that I discovered while watching Kendall Ray's coverage of this case. And her merch proceeds were going to an org- organization called Thorn. Have you heard about this? No. So apparently it was uh, co-founded by Ashton Kutcher. Uh, and basically this organization builds software to fight human trafficking and the sexual exploitation of children. Yes. I didn't know it was called Thorn. Yeah. I had heard of it vaguely too. And I didn't really know the details. Um, but he had like, he like spoke in front of Congress and everything. Um, so he's been doing some pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. He's like fucking killing it out there, honestly. Um, so apparently reports of, according to their website, reports of child sexual abuse material online have increased 10,000% 10,000% since 2004. And that's just the nature of the Ooh. internet and all that. Um, the organization's goal is to eliminate child sexual abuse from the internet. Um, and again, I know this isn't necessarily directly related, but uh, you know, it does have to do with missing children. And so I thought it was relevant. Um, and this is something you can do if you feel so inclined. Uh, if you go to their website, thorn, thorn.org, you can watch a TED Talk about eliminating child sexual abuse from the internet um, and see what you can do to help. Gotcha. So that is All the right. story of Kyle Horman. And hopefully there are some answers because it's been a long time. Wow. Well, yikes. And that's on, also an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. That is not. That's just me finding unsolved stories that I was interested in. I see. Okay. <laughs> I was like, can I see it there? No. But I no. can see it other places. Got it. Other okay. places. <laughs> well, cool. I mean, not cool. Wow. I never know how to end these. <laughs> just it's because away. I say awful things and then go, anyway, take it away. And you're like, I don't want to, though. So I'm like, here I go juggling. That's um, my fault. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, also, I like your decor right now where you have a whole cart and only one item. On the it's cart. one item. Guess what it is, everyone? The most valuable item. It is a bottle of wine uh, surrounded, adorned by lemon adorned. lights. Adorned. By a string of lemon lights. By the way, Lemon says hi. <sighs> no, don't say that I'm going to cry. He says a whole lot of nothing because I don't <laughs> check on him. <sighs> anyway, in case, for, for those of you who don't know, Lemon is still in L.A. with me. Too don't much worry. Of a, too much of a city guy. I'm handling it. Don't worry. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Well... <laughs> When, I hope I could see you again soon. It's been like a, a hot month. Since I know. Well, I, I was going to fly back like pretty soon after and then like everything shut down again. And I was like, OK, I guess this is not safe right now. So I'm I'm holding yeah. off until uh, we figure out if when I'm safe to fly. So in due time. Well, uh, we um, I just miss you. That's all. I miss you, too. <laughs> I, just, I miss you, too. We should FaceTime uh, later. Not that we've talked enough. Not enough today. So. Well, every time that I sit here, I think about the first time that I sat here and Aww. it was with you and then we went to Cheesecake. So every time an episode ends, I'm like, oh, man, I'm so close to Cheesecake right Why now. Why am I craving Cheesecake? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's becoming a thing. Okay. Anyway, I love you. I love, I love everyone you listening. Thank I love you. Lemon. Live, laugh, lemon. <laughs> uh, 
Thank you for episode 181 you, or 182. You can check out uh, other stuff from us on our socials at ATWWD Podcast or our, our website, and that's where you drink.com, where you can also submit your listener stories for our listener episode, which we put out on the first of every month. Um, that's it, I guess, right? That's it. Listen, we're, we're people of simple, simple means and backgrounds and stories. We also have our um, Thursday Instagram lives. Uh, yes. Every week, it's our happy hours uh, from 3 p.m. Pacific to 4, or it's just for an hour starting at 3 Pacific slash 6 Eastern. Yes. And then I also have Marvel Mondays every Monday at 5, 8, and you have your YouTube channel. X-Teen oh, I finally Files. released an episode for the first time in a long time. So they're back, and I'm releasing another one today. So I'm trying to get back to weekly um, creeps. So we'll see if that actually sticks. <laughs> and our... Uh, um patreon videos too yes atwd podcast a lot of weirdness okay. going on anyway all right thanks for all this and nothing at all all at once christine how beautiful <laughs> how beautiful you're welcome uh, i love you and that's why we drink i love you too right, bye <laughs>In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.